lovely Wild Hearts, it's Lisa here, how are you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the Wild Heart Diaries. I'm so glad you're here. If you're new to the show, we've had a lot of new listeners and subscribers. You're so welcome here. Listen back to all the episodes and you'll get an understanding of where I've been on my healing journey and episodes I've made to help you and to give you resources for your healing and today is an honest life review another year of healing and I'm looking back on my 2023. Now I say it's an honest review because 2023 was not a great year for me but in the struggle there was so much gold and so much healing and I want to share that with you because I'm walking my talk but also because I feel like the people who listen and the people I work with we have very similar life lessons life experiences and we're mirroring one another so you know we're walking each other home basically and today's episode I'm going to take you through month by month of my year so it's going to be quite a long one but if you're listening along with your pretty podcast notepad or your journal there will be journaling prompts for you to reflect on your life I hope you find it useful I started writing this for myself personally because I always take stock of my year before I set intentions for the new year. I don't think you can move forward until you've looked back. Also, all the things that I've learned, I need to integrate into my mind, body and soul. Otherwise, that energy stays charged in my body and um, it, it will follow me into 2024. You know, it's a bit like when you come to the end of a relationship, you need to kind of mop up and look at what you've learned from it and grieve for it before you go out with someone else. And I don't always think we do that. I mean, there's people that I call monkeys, you know, they swing from branch to branch. Are they already lining up the next relationship before they finish the other one? Um, and I, I think a lot of us who have maybe abandonment anxiety or fear of being alone might do that. I mean, have you ever been single? I've loved the last 10 years of being single. I've learned so much about myself. And um, and I think our relationship with ourselves is the most important thing. So this, this honest life review is about taking stock of who you are, where you've come from, what you've learned, where you're doing well. And hopefully that will encourage you to move forward into the new year. Let's get into it, shall we? You know, at the end of 2023, when it was time to say goodbye to 2023 and turn the page, there was an anticipation of 2024 calling me forward. But I noticed that my body was flooded with fear. and I, I just wanted to press snooze on 2024. I wasn't ready for it. I mean, I mean, are we ever ready for change or for the new? But I felt like something big was coming, something different had to happen. And as a wild heart... So if you're new here and you don't know what a wild heart is, that's your highly sensitive person, your empath, your INFJ. Some people might label us as autistic or having sensory processing issues. I don't think they're issues. I think we're very in tune with the world around us and the world around us is a bit crazy and a bit loud and a bit noisy. But wild hearts find transitions tricky. So my nervous system needs more time to adjust when I'm going from sometimes room to room or meeting to meeting or being inside the house or going out for a walk or um, 
yeah, I need I need more time to adjust. But it wasn't that this time, because in December I December just left me so burnt out. I was processing more grief, and I had limited resources, and I just maybe had to hit that kind of rock bottom, so that in January I could go into this this period of deep reflection so I could make decisions about my future that were aligned with my values and that supported me and I really do think that if we don't take stock of those feelings and we just move on you know all these people that say you need to get over it and move on listen if you're healing from childhood trauma those people are very emotionally cut off themselves and don't have much empathy you can't move on quickly it's blooming inside of you and you need to unravel it and it takes time you know we do that in layers so I, I took out my journal and I started to ask myself some soul searching questions. And then I had an idea that actually if I went back and looked at every newsletter. So I do a monthly newsletter, which is a roundup of my month and, you know, w- what's going on in my business and my life and what I've learned and anything that I feel like I want to share. So if you go to my website, smileyforlife.com, you can sign up for the newsletter. It, it's it was a really good way, though, to review the year and see you know where I'd been because I think when we go oh god reviewing the year what was I doing in January 2023 I can't remember another way to remember I suppose would be to look at the the phone your phone look at your picture roll on your phone that will tell a story that's another good way to look I in in January so let's start off with January and let's look at what went wrong and actually what went right And sometimes things have to go wrong. I don't like that word because I think wrong is just a learning. But sometimes things need to go wrong so that you can be course corrected and put on the right path. So therefore, there are no wrongs, are there? There are no wrongs. There's just learnings and there's just pivoting, as Ross from Friends would say, or course correcting. So in January, I stepped into my teaching shoes. So I've put that under the heading of learning something new. And I can remember in January, I started the, I started last January in a really different space. And I was thrilled to launch Journal in Your Jammies. And it was my first monthly online journal class for highly sensitive souls who wanted to learn about the power of intuitive journaling as a self-discovery tool for wellness and healing. I created a Facebook group and I sold tickets on Eventbrite for free. But I said, you must have a ticket to come. People went into the Facebook group and I would pop up on a live video and we would do an hour's free journaling together um, once a month. And there I would use the cards, as you've seen me do, if you follow me on YouTube. The cards are brilliant prompts for our intuition because the language of our intuition is symbols and colour and animals um, and objects and yeah, it, it, it was, I was so excited. And I can remember the first class I did, I was actually at the cottage with Mo and I sat on the floor on the sofa and I had not washed my hair and I was in my hoodie because it was journaling your jammy. So I had this great big pink fluffy blanket hoodie thing on. And I was just so delighted that lots of people had signed up and I was excited to meet new people. I expect a lot of you found me through that. Um... And I really enjoyed it for a period of time. So by the end of it, by the time it finished at the end of last year, I had 
created and was teaching a community of over 100 people. And my goal was I wanted to move away from holding space and being seen as a therapist, even though I've got the knowledge and the know-how and I can do that for people. And that's something that people say that they find um, makes them want to work with me over other people because I am a safe person and I understand trauma. But I wanted to move away from that role and I wanted to start empowering people I wanted to empower Wild Hearts to have a toolkit to be able to heal themselves. Because otherwise, I mean, there's a time and a place for, you know, working with a therapist. And I'm not dissing anyone who's in that space. Like for years and years and years, I had to be uh, co-regulated by a therapist because I was so emotionally dysregulated. I didn't have very good emotional literacy. I was all over the place with my feelings. I was still in survival mode and it took me... Ooh, at least 10 years to create that safety in my body so that I could start to heal myself but one of the tools towards the end of that 10 years that helped me do that was the journaling and I thought if I could just teach this to people and share it with them and show them like how powerful it is then what that's a lovely gift to give to the world and it puts me into this teaching role and I was I was confident that if you know, if if it had worked for me, if it freed me from anxiety, fear and shame and that I was now thriving, then it would work for them, surely. And it was a success. And I was proud to offer this free journaling um, technique that I've created, which is perfect for highly sensitive people. It's like a combination of gestalt therapy techniques and thought provoking questions, free full journaling and some intuitive insights from the Oracle and Tarot cards. And actually, cheeky plug, if you missed out on journaling your jammies, you can now buy my journal starter kit, um, which I will pop a link to in the show notes for you. That has, I think, four of the classes on there and it has a downloadable journal and it's got tips and techniques for when you get stuck or you don't know what to write. So it's fabulous. So, you know, that was a lovely gift that I that I gave um that I gave away and I wanted to like in January when I set that up I absolutely 100% wanted to I was giving from a place of um wanting to but and and so if you were lucky enough to come to one of the 11 free classes then you will have experienced firsthand how powerful it is and I did get amazing feedback from people you know people were saying how they felt lighter and brighter and they had clearer direction and focus. And some people were saying that their social anxiety had reduced and how they felt more confident and in control of themselves and, and how they felt motivated to try new things. Because what I think the journaling does is it takes you from the inner crit- critic and the horrible voices in your head and puts you back in the body. And if you are in survival mode and you are in freeze or shutdown, it can bring you back online again. But if you find that hard, then that's an indicator that you do need another person. You need to be held in a safe container with a professional, with someone like me who can hold space for your feelings while you're bringing yourself back online again. And that I actually do um, a healing session called Emotional First Aid and I teach you how to do that. In fact, I've done one of those this week with a lovely wild heart who was having panic attacks and it was a really worthwhile 90 minutes for her. She 
had more of an understanding of what was going on inside her body, what her freeze felt like, what her shutdown felt like, and whether she needed to move or rest or, you know, cause, because we hear all these labels and it's all very well intellectually knowing something but then dropping down into the body when you've never been safe in your own body and having someone to hold that space for you that that's a completely different ball game embodying it which is the journey that I have been on this year as you'll see as I was writing I was thinking oh Lisa you know this is this is this is also your learning too and that's what I mean about the mirroring like we're reflecting back to each other you know, it, it feels like I'm the teacher and I'm teaching you, but actually I'm also the student and I'm learning from you. And that's why I'm ever so, ever so, ever so grateful when people take the time to get in touch or people respond to my comments online or they interact with my videos. That is why I'm so grateful because there's healing for both of us in this. It's 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 not a one way street, even though, you know, it, it can feel like when you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, it's just me talking to you. But it's a it, it can be a two way connection if you so choose. So what ended up happening, unfortunately, was that that by the end of the year, I was starting to realize that I was burnt out. And one of my patterns is overgiving and not putting myself first. And I had limited resources, as I said to you financially emotionally spiritually and physically I was burnt out and I just went into the group and said can you tell me why you're in this group and I left a list of options you know like, are you here for the journaling are you here to meet like-minded souls are you here to learn are you interested in my work do you listen to the podcast and the proportion of people like over 70 percent said they were just here for the journaling and none of the other stuff and I was like oh god that's not what this is for my goal had been to create this community excuse me (coughs) oh my throat chakra's going hang on a minute I'm just gonna get some tea might edit this bit out I think (laughs) um but the community element was redundant and that was the whole drive behind it because it's like a ripple effect like if you go into a community where you get so much benefit from it, it's got great energy it's got conversation then you will go and tell your friends about it and then you will bring more people into the community and then that ripple effect spreads out and you get more people and then that means more people heal and I was thinking well surely if these people are interested in creating awareness for healing they're going to share but I think the block for that and again I'm making assumptions because I'm not those people was shame a big part of our healing is removing shame shame says there must be something wrong with me well I love this group but I'm not going to tell anyone else I go to it because then I'll have people in here and they'll be able to see what I say and they might think what's wrong with me and they might I'm not sure that that's what was happening I know in the past shame has stopped me from being in groups and I will say with complete empathy and love if your first group that you were part of was your family of origin and they rejected you and you're the black sheep of your family or you were abused, of course coming into groups and having a voice is going to be difficult. And maybe my expectation was un- unrealistic, although I'm not sure it was because I don't know. Anyway, let's leave that there and say that I was truly grateful because there were a lot of members who did participate enthusiastically and a couple of those went on to work with me. And a couple of those brought their friends into the group. So, but we're talking about the majority here. 
but it was a big time and energy investment for me that didn't meet my business objectives. And at the end of the day, I'm not a charity, which I felt like I was when I looked at my bank statements at the end of last year. You know, we're already in a financial crisis. The cost of living has gone up and that affects me as well, massively. I live on my own. I don't have an other half to support me. I don't have family to support me. Luckily, I've got great friends. But I was starting to realise that I'd made myself very vulnerable by overgiving in this way. And so I ran the last class in November because I started to find my edges. And um, we're going to hear more about that as we go on. And I closed the Facebook group at the end of the year because I didn't want to. So I do something which is called cord cutting. So it's really good if you're a sensitive person that when you're energetically connected to people or you've invested in something that you cut the energetic cords with them. Because I don't want to be carrying all that energy um, into 2024. I don't. I don't want to carry the energy of people who are taking from me and not giving back for whatever reason they're doing it no judgment you are where you are with your healing but that didn't work for me and it was kind of the first time I was standing up for myself and saying oh I'm not going to set myself on fire to keep other people warm no I'm not and I didn't have any guilt or shame or fear about saying that I felt confident to say no hang on a minute this has to be reciprocal and if you listen back to podcast episodes around that time then you'll hear that I talked about non-reciprocal relationships and how painful it is to keep showing up for people who can't who can't return the energy but what that taught me was well you ain't showing up for yourself Lisa tough tough lesson you're not putting yourself first you're not prioritizing your needs you're not listening to your feelings if you listen to your feelings Back in the summer when it started to feel clunky and heavy and difficult to get people to interact with you, then, hmm, yeah. But what I will say is, because I am coming from a place of gratitude for the people that were active in that community. So if you're one of those people listening, please know that when you bought my journals, that when you treated me to a cup of coffee, that when you wrote thank you or you acknowledged that you took part in the class and it made a difference to you, I see you and I'm grateful for you but I was caught up in a trauma response of trying to get the people that couldn't see me to see me or trying to get the people that wouldn't talk to talk to me and that's my inner child doing that and when you create things from a trauma response if you're a business owner listening to this if you create a business that is built on a trauma response it is not going to be a thriving business it will not thrive it will fall apart it's not got solid foundations so really the lesson was that I was far too generous and I invested way too much time and energy in comparison to what I was getting back. And I, I could, I, what I could have done, I suppose, is I could have limited the free class to one per person and say, there's a taster of what it's like to work with me. Now would you like to come and do the paid classes or would you like some one-to-one sessions? But it, it, it taught me as well that there is a definite correlation between a lack of investment and a lack of commitment to healing. In that people are more likely to commit to their healing or their journaling practice or their self-care when they have got skin in the game and they've actually paid for it. How how many free things have you got sitting on your laptop that you've not even watched but you've just downloaded them because they're free but you've not done anything with them? Or you've watched five minutes and thought, I'll watch that later. When you put money behind it, you're going to follow it through. So 
<clears throat> I've changed my model, my business model, in the fact that um, if I do do free stuff now, well, obviously I'm doing uh, doing the podcast, but I will do, I will put it on YouTube, which means that when I hit a certain number of followers on YouTube, then that becomes monetized. Because again, I, I've got to put money in the bank. I need to put food on the table. I need to take care of myself. And I'm not ashamed to say that I got to that point because I actually think my codependency was so bad that I needed to get to that point where I didn't have to be Miss Sunshine Girl, smiley, happy, let me help you to people who didn't respect, appreciate or see me. That's what I did as a kid. I don't need to do that anymore. So moving forward, you'll be pleased to know that I still run a monthly journaling class, but it's now paid for. It's £22 for a session. It's on Zoom. It's a small group. And if you commit to it, like I say, and you put money down and you commit to your healing, you will get a lot out of it. You you will get so much out of it. January's class is on the 31st of January at eight o'clock. And we are going to be talking about the energies of 2024 because um, there's been some big planetary shifts in the fact that old systems are breaking down and there's going to be a lot of change this year and probably next year, I would imagine. And so I'm going to be looking at inner strength and emotional resilience. So if you'd like to come along to that class, you're more than welcome. We'd love to have you there. So journaling question for you, what are your energies or where are your energies out of balance? Where are you overgiving in your life? Where are you resentful, tired, depleted, exhausted? And perhaps listen to the episode on non-reciprocal relationships and journal on what is your compulsion to keep giving even when you feel unappreciated, unseen and unheard. But until you get to that point of not having any money in the bank, resentment and... um exhaustion until you get to that point maybe and it's I've said this repeatedly on here like we don't come to healing until we hit our rock bottom because we've got all these coping strategies in place from childhood so one of my coping strategies is freeze where I just numb out from everything so if I'm not connected to my feelings I'm not going hey this isn't working people aren't booking people aren't even saying thank you Everyone in the group is watching the video, 10% are coming to the lives and the other people watching don't even say thank you or like the video or comment. What? No, absolutely not. So ask yourself those questions and you have to be brutally honest with yourself and these coping strategies are sneaky AF. I knew in my heart of hearts that that wasn't working pretty early on in the year. And I didn't listen to my intuition and I didn't trust my intuition because I was so focused on creating that community and helping as many people as possible. So, yeah. So let's have a look at February. So my birthday is in February. I am a Valentine baby, born on the 14th of February, 1974. And last February, I treated myself to a four day retreat in Spain to reconnect with my two-year-old self. Well, that was interesting. This is when it all started to come undone. Now, I have alluded to this on other podcast episodes, but today I'm going to do more of a deep dive into it because there are a lot of things at play here 
And I think it's really important to talk about them, especially in terms of finding the right healer, therapist, coach for you. There are a lot of healers, therapists and coaches who are not trauma informed. And even though they say they are trauma informed, can they hold space for you when you are triggered? Can they hold space for you? Do they know how to hold space for you and be there for you when you're triggered and put their stuff aside? My therapist calls it sitting on your Murray Mint. So, you know, you've you've got a sweet in your mouth. So you've been triggered. Something's a client's triggering you, which happens to us because that's how healing works. You take the Murray Mint out of your mouth and you sit on it and you you hold space and you're there for the client and when the session's finished you put the moment back in your mouth and you take that supervision or you um, regulate yourself and deal with your own feelings you know does your person your safe person that you've chosen to work with know how to do that I don't know it's a good question to ask someone if you're looking for a therapist and what's their experience like if you're not neurotypical you don't really want to be doing CBT I don't think you want to be working with someone who understands what it's like not to be neurotypical. So what it's like to be an HSP or an empath. You need someone that's a good fit for your needs. So it does help if you know what you need. A lot of us don't don't know what we need when we first go into therapy. And that's okay. You might have to choose different people. But I went on this treat, retreat to Spain with an open heart. And I was full of excitement and oh it was just an absolute disaster um there was a point in the retreat where I was triggered by the facilitator we weren't even in session the retreat hadn't started we were taking a walk along the beach and she shouted at me in public she just got really frustrated with something that I'd obviously been saying a lot and the next day at the retreat I had gone into a freeze and was shutting down and we were asked to do this exercise and my inner child just was like I don't want to be here I want everyone to fuck off and leave me alone and the other lady who's at the retreat so there was me and another lady said would you like to leave Lisa you see now when you're triggered so I was triggered when you're triggered you you forget you have choices you have sort of sovereignty you can flight you can leave or you can say no I don't want to I was saying, no, I don't want to. But as you can hear, I was saying it in a very childlike way. So, um, but this gave me such insight into my two-year-old self who very lightly started shutting down when she was shouted at at the age of two. So I've got no cognitive memories of that. But being put in a situation with someone who's shouting at me unpredictably out of the blue in a public space, so showing up as my mother, was triggering me. Put me back into that scenario so you could say that the facilitator played their role perfectly I don't think I needed to spend over a grand in money for the privilege of having a shitty Spanish experience but maybe I did maybe I needed to go through that so that I could fully heal from it who else was going to put me in that space my therapist wasn't but she was the one to help me get out of it bless her Hello, it's Editing Lisa popping in here. I just wanted to add in to this part of the podcast that the facilitator that I'm talking about up until this point had been instrumental in helping me with my business. And I want to give a fair representation of this person because whilst I'm 
struggling with some aspects of them they actually were very knowledgeable helpful um, I learned a great deal from them I actually learned to have more self-confidence because they had so much confidence and it was like I was borrowing a bit of that energy and so always um, I like to think that when you're talking about someone that there's good and bad in all of us like there's light and dark we're all dualistic and nobody's perfect and I just wanted to come in and give a fair representation of them because I know if someone was talking about me and they were all negative which I've had that done to me in the past without noticing any of my positive traits that I wanted to just um, balance those scales um, and be fair so back to the episode as you were so I did attempt to speak to the facilitator about what happened which was also something I wouldn't have done 10 years ago I, I would have probably just put up and shut up I went back to my Airbnb and spent the last day of the retreat alone and the following day was my birthday so I didn't complete the retreat and I didn't go back to it but I did communicate to the facilitator that I wasn't going to I didn't say why I didn't want to get into a conversation with her because I was in freeze I couldn't I couldn't make myself vulnerable I didn't feel safe enough so when I did attempt to speak to facilitator about what happened this was just met with anger and dismissal and shutting it down I'm not talking about that now so the facilitator went to bed said it wasn't up for discussion and left me in her sitting room with this other lady and she blamed it on the fact that we drunk this blue tea this um, gentle psychedelic tea but actually it wasn't that because when the incident happened on the beach no one was drinking any psychedelic tea we were very much present and you know sober and had all our faculties around us so I, I felt like blaming on that was a bit gaslighty because it wasn't um, honoring uh, my experience so in my work I teach repair and I don't feel in this instance it was my role to initiate the repair so if I've had um a fracture in a relationship with a client which happens because client gets triggered and they can go off then when they come back to session or they come back to the room I don't mean they go off as in they drop off in a mood I mean they they go into freeze and shut down and they might not book a session for a few weeks and then you have to gently kind of coax them back and say hi just checking in with you are you okay and then um <clears throat> And you, and you need someone that's experienced that can recognise when someone's shutting down or when someone's in freeze or when someone's in fight or flight. You need someone that knows how to deal with that. So there are ruptures in all relationships because relationships aren't perfect and neither are humans. But after ruptures, there needs to be a conversation that takes place where everybody's ready to look at what happened and find a way through it. A sharing of feelings and an understanding on both sides of the fence. And this is sometimes... You know, and sometimes there's apologies, hopefully, and an understanding around what will happen next time. So perhaps I would have communicated my needs if I'd had the opportunity and said, I need a calm and consistent guide in my healing. If you're unpredictable and you raise your voice like that to me in public, you take me right back to my two year old self and it's scaring the crap out of me. So, um, you know, I preferably need a therapist that can a healer or a space holder that can deal with their own triggers or at least take them to supervision because we're only human 
And then you say something like, and if I don't get that or this happens again, then I'll leave the space and I won't return until I feel safe enough to do so, which is exactly what I did. So I was proud of myself and I did have a healing session. So one of my best friends is um is a an, en- an energy distance healer. She did a healing session for my birthday, actually. We, we Zoomed. And then I had a lovely birthday. Don't get me wrong. So, I mean, the pros... The pros were that I um, I went for a walk along the beach. I had pancakes and actually somebody responded to an Instagram post and bought me a birthday coffee and I used the money to treat myself to pancakes. And um, yeah, it, I had a lovely birthday. And I mean, I, so, so what I'm saying is that... The cons of this situation were that the retreat wasn't a safe space and I I came home to work with my therapist to help me untangle and understand and heal this deeply, very young, vulnerable part of me. And it broke my heart really to think that I felt that unsafe at two years old. But I do know around this time that my nanny died and she was a driving force in our family and probably the only support that my parents had at that time and also um just before my second birthday my sister was born so it it turns out that my two-year-old self was terrified of grown-ups angry grown-ups to be specific and so this whole experience allowed that that part of me to listen to my inner child to be aware of when my nervous system has gone into freeze so I could actually feel it and um you know, and realizing that as an adult, you have choices. You have you have choices, and that and and that when you were a kid, you didn't. Um. So you know, you would expect my response to be from my adult self in that situ- situation of someone just out of nowhere just shouting at you on a public beach on a promenade. Uh, excuse me, you seem really angry. I don't like the way you're talking to me. I'd like to you know pick up this conversation at another time I need to go now and leave so you walk walk away from angry people or you speak up for yourself but when your nervous system is triggered and you can't do this you forget that you've got choices and you are literally like that two-year-old who felt powerless and helpless I mean how freaking clever was my two-year-old that she created that coping strategy so she stayed in the room with the parents shut herself away and then put on a mask oh bless her little heart but the retreat was in a beautiful part of Spain and I got some sunshine and I got to get away from my life and dine out in restaurants and drink tea and read my book and it was it was a beautiful gift to find where my edges were and to meet my two-year-old self in this space I can remember sitting on a sofa in the facilitator's apartment this was like day two so I did days one and two and then I didn't go back for the evening part of day two and then I cancelled day three and we were all meant to be going out for my birthday dinner and I thought oh it'll be like being with my family I don't want to sit around a table with you pretending that everything's all right when actually I don't feel safe here so that was really kind of that was all coming up to be healed all the pain around birthdays and yeah So I remember sitting on a sofa in the facilitator's apartment and we were being asked to participate in some dance. 
which usually I would have loved. I love dancing and I particularly like this form of dancing, which is it's healing and it gets you into the body. But obviously I didn't want to be in my body. I, I checked out. I, I was feeling unsafe and I, I felt so... If I can explain this to you, how freeze felt for me, it felt like my jaw was clenched, my bum was clenched. I'd made everything heavy in my body and I was immovable. Like I was not going to get up and dance. Now, you could say that that was an an obstinate child or a defiant child. And that is probably what I got told off for a lot. But in those moments, I was trying to hold my boundaries and I was trying to hold on to myself. Does that make sense? So I just sat there while they were, they were both dancing, drawing spirals in my notebook, and I filled a whole page with them. And I, I look back now and I wonder if maybe holding the pen and keeping it moving on the page was helping me regulate. Because if you think about it, just drawing spirals is quite a mindful, repetitive, I'm doing it now on the table, exercise to do. Because I know that happens when I journal now, which is why I'm such a advocate of journaling and I know that also happens for a lot of my clients and people that come to the workshops but it felt it was instinctive to do that and I just think how clever is the body that it knows what it needs it was trying to regulate me it was trying to help me self-soothe and all I wanted to do was get out of that apartment get back to my Airbnb I just didn't want to be there but you know think back my two-year-old self couldn't say oh I don't want to be here I need to leave because I needed my mum and dad to feed me and put me to bed and keep me safe, or keep me safe, keep a roof over my head. But I had to freeze to stay in that situation, check out, leave my body. And and so this whole experience led me to realise that I check out a lot, but maintain a mask to look like I'm present for the other person. So that's a freeze fawn response. And I was ignoring my body's warning signals. I was ignoring my intuition. Before I went on that retreat, I had two friends who told me that I shouldn't have booked it. They told me that they didn't like the look of the facilitator or the facilitator's energy. And they'd only seen pictures of this person on Instagram. And also I had a whole list of red flags, one of which was my tummy gurgling. The first day I met this facilitator, I worked with them for a day. I had a day's retreat and all throughout the day, my tummy gurgled and I had tummy troubles that day. Now that is that IBS type symptoms were things that used to happen to me as a kid growing up. And the minute I individuated and set boundaries with my mother, those symptoms stopped. So the fact that they were there all day when I was with that person and I just thought, Oh, it's something I've eaten. Oh, I must try harder. Oh, it must be me. <clears throat> Which, no, it wasn't that at all. So, um, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, that our inner child is very clever and creates these coping strategies. Like when you're two years old and you don't have any choices. Thank you, body. You're very, very clever. But doesn't work for me as an adult because I went into freeze and spiraled into shutdown. I lose days of my life. I can't speak up for myself and it takes me a long time to get my body to come back online. This doesn't happen in my work, by the way, because in my work situation, I'm prepared for clients to be emotionally dysregulated. I'm holding space. I'm in a session with them. They've booked time with me. There are boundaries around the time I spend with them. But you've got to remember in this instance, I was walking along a beach. I thought I was on a retreat. 
I wasn't in session. I wasn't in retreat. We were walking. We'd just gone for a walk and we were going to go for a coffee. And this just came out of nowhere, like a bolt out of the blue, which is what would have happened with my mum. So, um, yeah, I think this experience also taught me that I wasn't going to be treated like this by people and then be told afterwards that I'd sport the retreat and my actions had impacted other people, um, which is <laughs> very guilt trippy, isn't it? And it was interesting because I actually did text message the other lady. Um, I remember I was on the coach coming back from Gatwick Airport to go and get my car and I texted her to say, it was really lovely to meet you and I'm sorry you got caught up in all of that and I really enjoyed meeting you and I, I actually wasn't able to finish the retreat and I would have done if I could have done and I'm sorry. And she wrote back and was like, absolutely fine. I understand. Take care of you. But obviously the facilitator didn't realise that we'd had that that communication. So she tried to guilt me into, um, yeah, she tried to guilt me and I thought, oh, no, we're not having that. So I feel like I managed the post fallout of this nightmare that was February like a boss I mean I was only there for four days and I was proud of myself looking back I took care of myself and I ended the relationship afterwards but I learned so much from it it took me till the summer to feel safe enough to let my righteous anger rise up and for me to find my edges which is like no 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 which is what that freeze was trying to tell me just like any healthy two-year-old would say to a parent right terrible twos they call it don't they so I got that part of me back that part of me that needed to say no I don't want to and I strengthened my boundaries and I got to a point where enough was enough so yeah so there's quite a few lessons in there listening to your intuition speaking up when you need to recognizing what's going on in your inner world it's always about your inner world not about what's going on for the other person you can't do anything about what they're doing you you have to focus on your on yourself and and also knowing when you're being emotionally manipulated and when you're being gaslit and when you're being made to question your own experience of something when it's quite clear and and all the way along I was journaling just because I am a massive journaler but I was journaling the experience so I had written everything down so it wasn't like I was questioning myself and going did I say that or did that happen I'd written everything down it was very very clear in my in my journal so yeah that was my February so journal questions for you where are you in relationship with people who don't feel like a good fit for you? Your body might be telling you that they're not a good fit for you. You perhaps go along to get along or you doubt yourself or they make you question your reality or they question your reality or they maybe they name call you. Maybe they blame you for stuff that's not your fault. Where are you in relationship like that? Well, it's not relationship. And if you wanted to journal on your two-year-old self, <laughs> not that you would probably have any cognitive memories of it, but if you found a picture of your two-year-old self and you looked into that little two-year-old's eyes and you put your hand on your heart and you said to her, how are you feeling? What do you need? And you free-fall journaled on that. I reckon she would tell you. I reckon she would tell you if you wanted to have a go at that. But again, remember that if that's going to bring up stuff which is traumatic, then... Um, 
I mean, it won't bring up stuff that's too much for you to handle. Like Spain sounds awful, but I handled it. It wasn't nice, but I handled it. And that never would have happened had I stayed in my flat because I've been cocooning in my flat for like, I don't know, nearly 10 years now. If I hadn't gone out into the world and experienced that, it wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have learnt those lessons. It need it needed to come out. It was still inside of me. Right, so let's have a look at March. March was a much nicer month. March, I felt like I made a difference. So this is our contribution to the world. So um, it's really important that we feel like we're giving back or making a difference or making a contribution to ourselves. I think as human beings, having a purpose... Um, yeah, have, having a purpose feels good, doesn't it? So I experienced a beautiful healing full circle moment when I was invited for a guided tour at my very first school. And I, I was so proud I got to see my smiley thought cards in every classroom. So each classroom has got this colour coded um, emotional regulation zone where the children, as they go into the classroom, they have to stick their name in the colour zone of where they are so they're invited to pause and notice how they feel and if they're upset or overwhelmed they can choose something to help them move from the red zone to the blue or the yellow zone and they have this little corner and it's got like um t things to regulate them with so like music and and um sand and um what are those things called rain catchers and um play-doh and lego and my smiley thought cards were in there if you haven't seen my smiley thought cards, I made them when I was a kids coach. They are positive affirmation cards for children. And I'll drop a link in the show notes for you because they're really good for the inner child as well. I think I made them for my inner child without realising at the time. But what I loved about going back to visit my school was that I saw that there was no fear in these classrooms. They had quiet zones and creative clubs and a library, a library that was packed full of books and a headmistress who listened she knows all their names she hugs them she cares about how they feel they all go to her do you remember when we were at school the head was someone to be feared wasn't it or oh, don't get sent to the headmasters or the headmistress's office no there was none of that and I remember her saying to me she said I'm so proud of what we've built here this is what children need and you know they're children and I, I said to her, what what do other teachers from other schools think about your approach? And she said, they probably think I'm mad. And she was joking, but actually, I don't think she was. And I said to her, I don't think you're mad. I think you're a trailblazer. You know, you're forward thinking and you understand about attachment. And you understand about trauma and that you know that these kids can't learn without feeling emotionally safe. And I can remember driving home. Um, it was so funny, like parking my car up next to the school where my mum would have dropped me off or come and picked me up parking my car there and even walking into the front gates so so many memories came flooding back and driving home I had a little moment with myself and got quite emotional and actually telling you now is making me feel quite emotional um you know I, I wondered what it had been like if I could have said to my eight-year-old self who was absolutely flooded with anxiety and fear and trauma everything's going to be okay you know you're going to come back here when you're nearly 50 with something you've made to help other children with their worries and it was a relief you know there was a massive relief that I 
would have been so much more confident and relieved to know that everything was going to be okay. And when you have trauma and when you have high levels of anxiety, you're looking for safety. You're constantly looking for safety. But safety isn't out there. It has to be created inside of you. So really, I think the lesson learned for that one as well was don't doubt the good that you do today won't come back to you tenfold in the future, which is why I think I was so confused and lost and upset at the end of last year when I was in this place of like emotional and financial bankruptcy and I was thinking but what about all the stuff that I've given out into the world like I don't understand um but it was a lesson in trust and faith so I'm wondering like if you wanted to journal on this I would say journal on all the good things that you've done in your life don't sit there and go I can't remember just open up a page in your journal and say how do I bring good to the world how do I make a contribution to the world what is it about me that the world welcomes that the world loves and just see what comes out on the page and I think you'll find that there's so many good things so many little sparkles like if you're a fairy with a wand that you've put into the world but the problem is, is that when you're traumatized or when you carry big amounts of trauma, your brain is preoccupied with, with safety. So you just look at what's wrong, what's missing, what's lost, what's forgotten, what hasn't happened yet. You don't look at the difference that you've made. And so when I felt like that at the end of December and I thought, why am I in this situation? Why is it not working? And I did pray to the universe and say what do you want me to do like you put me in this job I'm showing up here for these people I can't find my people I don't understand you know what it is you want me to do and it was a lesson in in trusting and having faith in myself and that I wasn't necessarily spiraling into a place of catastrophizing and going, oh, you're doing it all wrong. I was saying, well, you've tried one thing, which is the journaling thing, and it hasn't worked. So now we need to go and do something else. We need to keep trying different things. Again, the trauma brain doesn't want to step outside of the comfort zone. It doesn't want to leap into new experiences. It wants to stay tightly coiled up in its nest in its cocoon where it feels safe so it's about expanding that window of tolerance and being able to put yourself out there so I feel like already starting off this year I've tried new and different things and that's already working and so that's a testament to that that actually it doesn't um, erase all of the good that I've put into the world for the last I don't know 15 years with coaching um because I have got a lot back from it it's helping me heal as well so it's also saying don't be so attached to outcomes like the outcome is like the amount of money you've got in the bank because that's how the world that we live in works if you don't have money in the bank you can't eat or pay your bills um but don't be fixated on outcomes because you know when you have a business plan they say well, you know, how many people do you need to get on your list? And and if you get a 1% response rate, that's how many sales you're going to get. Don't be attached to numbers and figures. Like, go with what feels good is what I kind of learned, really. And trust yourself. So again, it's back to intuition again, which is why the intuitive journaling is so powerful. 
So are you still with me? We're only at March and we're moving into April. So in April, I started to tend to my nervous system. So I was back into therapy again and off the back of the February birthday bonanza, um, I started to go more deeply into working with my nervous system and look at managing my energy. And I went on a course um, for healers and, and coaches and therapists on thawing the freeze response and um I started to understand what was going on in my body so off the back of that I also created my emotional first aid kit I took everything I knew about working uh with emotions and with what happens in the body and I put it into a pdf and then in embedded in the pdf are like videos and things for people to watch and actually i have sold quite a few of those but what i realize is is that people that are bringing themselves this work for the first time need that safe container for when that energy comes up when those emotions come up and they feel confused and they don't understand what's going on and they're triggered that they need someone to hold space for them so i i now do this 90 minute session which is called emotional first aid and as I say, I did one this week and it, it's just well worth it to have that person to guide you through it. And it may well be after that you can have a go at it on your own because I think the body goes, oh, my God, I don't know what's going on here. There must be something wrong with me. And then that sort of escalates the panic. But actually, when you've got someone sitting in front of you and saying, oh, no, that's happening because of that. And can you see how that's that? And actually, if you just moved your arm over there or you did that or you put your hand here, how does that feel? And and everyone is different. Like everyone's fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Trauma, they're the four trauma responses. Everyone's response is different. So even though you could make a toolkit out of that training, that emotional first aid kit, it's full of tools. And if you're a therapist or a practitioner listening to this, you will find it really helpful because it will just be more tools to add to your toolkit. But if you're someone who's healing and learning about it for the first time, you could buy that and take it to your therapist and work through it with your therapist together and say, I'd like to try this. I'd like to explore it. That's another thing you could do. But I can provide that safe container for myself because obviously I'm a coach, but also I've been healing for like 20 years and I've been on the floor shaking, pacing around my front room like a wounded animal howling from the soles of my feet. And I've been able to hold myself in that space and go really deep into that pain which is what that facilitator in February could not do for me that almost felt like the very last bit like if we're going back to my two-year-old self that is probably where the original wound was created and you needed someone with big Mr. Tickle arms and a really strong sense of self to be able to hold that space yeah I, I just I just um I just think that facilitator couldn't do that whereas I feel like I can go really deep into those spaces with people because I've nurtured myself or I've held space for myself through those and like the reason I've done that is because I've had that safe connection with my therapist and I've internalized that safe connection and she's modeled that to me and so therefore I can do it for myself so it may it, but it may well be that you have an emotional first aid session with me and that you need you know six or eight or you need a course of them until you can learn to, to do that for yourself. But again, 
no judgment. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It's what you need. And the sad thing about that is, is that what you need is what you didn't get as a kid growing up. And that's, um, and that's beautiful, isn't it? That you can give that to yourself now. So in that emotional first aid kit, you're going to have some understanding around emotions and what you've been taught about them, which are myths and lies. And I think the biggest problem is, is that a lot of our emotions are coated in what's called the fog. So fear, obligation and guilt, which is really fear, shame and guilt. They're the three lowest level vibrational energies that you can have. But a lot of the time when we are say that we have a lot of sadness and we cry or we have huge amounts of anger if we've been fear feared don't cry you big pussy shamed don't you speak to me like that get to your room guilted oh you're making mummy feel bad now you know if you if you have fear obligation and guilt fear shame and guilt around any of your feelings if you've been punished for emoting I'm so sorry if that happened to you I'm so sorry if you've been made to feel like your feelings don't matter and you've had to stuff them all down inside and go into a freeze response because how your parent felt in the moment was the most important thing ever, which it would have been as a kid, because if your parent's not regulated, then you're not going to feel safe. And really that co-regulation so that when I talk about having a safe relationship with my therapist and her teaching me how to be with myself, how to hold myself, how to process my feelings, she is co-regulating with me. So a, a lot of the time when clients um, message me, they are regulated by my voice because we've already got the connection. So I know if a client messages me and when they're in a panic, me t- replying on a text message doesn't work. But if they hear my voice, that will calm them down. And that's, um, you know, that's the power of the connection, the safe connection. Yeah. It's, it's incredible, but our parents were supposed to be the one that we co-regulated with from the off. So, you know, um, if you've got a very emotionally dysregulated or a very frozen parent or a very shut down parent, parent who's very sh- cut off from their emotions, uh, which one of my parents was, then you are not going to be taught how to co-regulate. And that's emotional neglect. And you're going to struggle to be a human because being a human is feeling all the feels isn't it so yeah so I was very pleased with that body of work that I did in April and I really got to grips with my nervous system and what was going on for me but I was getting to grips with it on an intellectual level so I was putting all the pieces in place and understanding it but the second phase to that which happened later on in the year is embodying it is being able to go oh, when I talk about that, that's that thing that goes ping in my body or that's that rush of that that happens in my tummy or and being able to identify what how you're experiencing it because as I say, everyone's experience of it is going to be different. So I think I'm going to do May and June and that will wrap up the first half of the year and I think I might do this episode in two parts because otherwise it's going to be rather long, isn't it? Um. But let's let's do some journal prompts for your nervous system. Let's do some journal prompts for you. I think it's important to ask yourself. Do you have an awareness of what happens in your body? When you're triggered. And more than that, do you know what your triggers are? 
triggers will just be something that activates your nervous system and puts you into your coping strategy. So like mine was freeze and it will be protecting you from your inner child from something that they didn't want to have to deal with at the time that felt unsafe. And now you're still doing it as an adult. So do you know what your triggers are and do you know the sensations the feelings that come into your body when you're triggered are you aware of them are you aware that if you go into a freeze that you're leaving your body are you aware that when you shut down um that you might scroll on your phone or you might sit and watch netflix all weekend and eat food and not really interact with the outside world. Do you know how that feels for you? Do you know that when you're in fight or flight, do you start cleaning or does your mind go into overdrive and you can't stop ruminating and thinking about what might go wrong? Do you catastrophize? Make friends with your body and know that every single thing that your body communicates to you, it wants to help you. It's data, it's trying to help you. And please know that if you cry, do not apologize because tears, when those tears fall, there's no judgment because that is your body trying to regulate your nervous system. There's chemicals in those tears that are calming down your nervous system. And actually, when I'm bringing myself back up from shutdown to freeze and then back up into fight or flight so I can get up to safety, I know that I'm doing it when I start to cry. I absolutely know that when I cry, I'm nearly there. So I'll give you an example of that. The other day, this is quite an interesting story. The other day I was writing my book and <laughs> I had hit some resistance. I felt like I'd hit a brick wall and I sat down and I was fart assing about watching YouTube videos, making endless cups of tea, cleaning, just fannying about not writing. And I said, okay, Lise, what's going on here then? What's going on? And I sort of realised that I was triggered, but I didn't realise that I was in a freeze. So I thought, I need to move my body. So if you can imagine, freeze is like, you're like an ice cube, like everything's shutting down. You've got a lot, it's like you've got a lion standing in front of you and your body's trying to hold on to all the resources you've got because it thinks it's going to die, basically. So I was like, I need to move. And the only way to get out of freeze is to move your body. There's no other way to get out of it, I don't think. I mean, you could journal yourself out of it, but really you need to physically mobilise the body. So I thought, I need to exercise. And the little voice inside my head was like, it's cold. I don't, because I've, I've changed into my workout gear. So, you know, like I've got like a vest top and some cut off uh, aerobics leggings. And I was like, it's cold. And so I, so this is my inner child now piping up because she's resisting me. So I'm saying to her, that's all right. You can put your hoodie on. So I put my hoodie back on over my workout gear, a massive pair of fluffy <laughs> socks. And I put my hood up because when you go into freeze, it is like you're cocooning. So I let myself stay in the cocoon. And I said, right, we're putting the music on and and we're going to move really gently. So I put on uh, one of my Grow With Joe workouts that's on YouTube that I like to watch. And I started to, to move and I just, my inner child was just, she was having a shit fit. She was like, don't, don't make me do this. I don't want to. And I said to her, we love dancing. It's not happening now. So it's like, 
it's like she was forced to do loads of things she didn't want to do. So she went into freeze as a way of keeping herself safe. And I said to her, well, that's not happening now because you're safe with me and we like dancing, don't we? And the minute I said that to her, I burst into tears and I thought, that's it. That's what I need to, to remind her that, you know, she's all right. Everything's OK. So I carried on moving. And actually in this workout, there was a lot of what's called bilateral stimulation where you're moving your arms and your legs um, across the body, you know, like um, opposite leg to opposite arm kind of exercise coordination. Nothing too strenuous. I just did it really slowly about. I don't know, I I think about 25 minutes back in, I was back in my body, but the tears for me were the sign that the energy was shifting and I was coming out of freeze and back up into fight or flight and then up into safety. And it was the same thing that happened in Spain, but I was safe this time and I was showing myself that I was safe. I was not safe in Spain. I was not safe with that solicitor. Solicitor? Why did I say solicitor? Facilitator? <laughs> I'm trying to avoid saying that facilitator's name. And... um. Yeah, I, I, I was showing myself that I, and I was saying, I'm here for you now. I'm going to take care of you. It's going to be OK. Anyway, we finished our 35 minute dance routine and <laughs> I had a shower and then I found myself at the fridge eating. And I thought, oh, you're back up in fight or flight because you're now eating on your feelings. What are you feeling? And that's habitual as well. So I was stuffing food in my face. So I ate three cereal bars and then I said, come on, let's go and lie down on the sofa with a hot water bottle so I got my blankie I got my hot water bottle I lay down on the sofa and I lay there and that sensation of feeling held and the warmth of the hot water so heat is really uh, makes you feel really safe doesn't it it's like having a warm body next to you I watched this YouTube video the other day where they'd given this little puppy dog a it was an otter it was a cuddly otter but it br it was breathing so it was moving up and down and it was warm and they put the puppy on it to get the puppy to go to sleep because it felt like the mother you see and that's 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 what the safety is it's that connection and once I was under that blanket and I had that hot water bottle and I my body like felt safe I was like oh I think I might write and I ended up writing 700 words of my book so like I'm not not every day is like that for me but when I have bad days I literally need to take care of myself in that way so I'm telling you that because I don't want you to judge yourself and think oh why is it so hard for me why am I doing it like this or I must be doing it wrong why do I feel no that's absolutely fine whatever you're feeling is not wrong your body always wants to help you so in that instance I was listening to my body I gave myself what I needed I took care of myself and then I was able to do the thing because I just wasn't feeling safe because when I'm in a freeze response I'm not feeling safe for whatever reason I think writing the book triggers me because I do a bit and I write loads and it goes really well and then the imposter syndrome kicks in and the inner critic comes in and says oh this is a pile of shit you've written it's no good blah 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 and I get frozen and then I got to bring myself out of freeze again <laughs> and it is frustrating and it and again it will make you cry because it's that grief there's that grieving process there where you go oh my god why do I have to be like this with my body why am I at war with my body why can I not just be in it and know how it works well I'm learning to do that all over again and you might be as well so be kind to yourself and be really gentle with yourself um moving into May 
So May, I went back into my cocoon again. Interesting. So obviously, I'd started doing work with the body. I'd started learning more about the nervous system, which I did have a basic understanding of. But I feel like when you're an experiential learner and you're experiencing something and you're learning on the job, the learning sort of stays integrated and is way more powerful, I I think. Um, and that's the embodiment of it. That's the, you know, you can know something intellectually, but then you need to embody it and experience it for it to integrate into your, in, into your psyche. So in May, I still felt like I was dipping in and out of this deep freeze that I'd gone into. And I was running out of energy. I was just starting to feel the impacts of burnout in May so you think that was happening in May and it wasn't until I got to December where I was like oh god I've had enough so again not listening to myself not tuned into my intuition um very much in this kind of must keep doing must keep busy must keep trying harder and it was during this time that I created pocket coach so those of you that have had my pocket coaching it's brilliant because Many of my clients are in survival mode and coming on camera and feeling the intensity of that connection with another human being face to face can be really triggering and overwhelming sometimes. You know, and at the same time, I was honouring my own needs. So Pocket Coach is me coaching you uh, on the WhatsApp, basically, backwards and forwards with voice messages, if you need to hear my voice or with the text messages. But it's like you've got me in your pocket all the time. So, you know, when you're working on... um your self-care or you need an accountability partner or you need someone to hu- to hold you up because you keep getting triggered and you can't feel like you can't move beyond that. I feel like Pocket Coach is, is gentle but powerful and it's happening in bite-sized chunks. So in a session when you're face-to-face with someone, you just feel the intensity of that, although a, a, a good trauma therapist will go slow enough so that you don't get too overwhelmed and triggered in session but when you start talking about deep stuff and you go right into the thick of it then you know your 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 stuff is going to come up there's no two ways about it and it comes up when you're ready but you've got that blood you've got that it, it can feel quite intense for an hour whereas on the pocket coach it's a leisurely backwards and forwards of messaging and um and it gives you time in between to slow things down so one client I've been working with recently, she kind of comes into the session and she just wants to type and type and type. So I kind of just let her type it all out. So that's probably equivalent to journaling. And then I have questions. So then I try and slow it down a bit and say to her, right, can we go back to the first point? And I've got questions around that and think about this. And then after the session, she takes that away and she'll listen to the voice notes again and she'll read all of the conversation and she'll do more journaling on it and then bring it back and do another session. So if you are a writer um, and you're an introvert or you're in the thick of your survival mode and you're really going through it, then or you're in a freeze or you're shut down. Pocket Coach is a great way to get yourself back online again without that intensity. But it's just as powerful. But I just feel it's a little bit more gentle. Like there's a boundary there, isn't there? I think as a highly sensitive person who has thin skin and absorbs all of the energy that's going on around me 
I like to know that I can just um, text someone or voicemail them. I don't have to sort of show up and be fully present um, online. Whereas other clients want the face to face because they want that that uh, deeper connection. So it just depends where you are in your healing and what your needs are. But I that I think creating Pocket Coach was the first time that I was honouring my needs as a coach. I was like, I can help people, but I can only work in this way because I'm limited with the amount of energy I've got, the energy that I did have, I was using for my face-to-face clients. And, you know, <laughs> had into the mix that my word of the year was meant to be fun for 2023. And my business was anything but fun in 2023. And it was hard work until I got my shiz together. Um, and a big part of that was learning how to listen to my body, honour my needs regulate my nervous system and practice good energy hygiene so good self-care until I did that nothing was going to be fun at all it was just going to be an absolute nightmare wasn't it but I needed to and I've done all this before on another level so as I say it's like the intellectual learning of it and then you peel back the layers and you go deeper in and then it it becomes an embodiment and I think that takes a little bit longer which is why healing is slow it's it's a slow old process isn't it and that can be frustrating at times as well but I it's funny because since I handed the keys back to my kids coaching room I used to have this beautiful kids coaching room locally and um it was filled with like stuffed toys and bean bags and it had a a, a fish tank that that uh, changed color and was full of plastic fish and it had a mirror with affirmations all around it and it had big um canvases of my smile some of my smiley thought cards on the wall and it had pens and pencils and books and everything oh it was amazing but since i stopped working face to face there and this was even before covid and i came online it's like slowly i had been withdrawing into my cocoon and trying to create boundaries um, to protect myself. And I do think that going into your cocoon is an essential part of your healing. And you might go in it and come out of it several times along the way. We need to go into the darkness to remember that we're light. We need to sit in the choir to hear our own voice. It's so noisy out there. And, you know, um, if we're online all the time, it's even noisier, isn't it? It's like a million and one voices talking to you at once. So June was a bit of a breakthrough month as well. This was a positive month. Let's uh, let's talk about, should we talk about June now or shall I leave it here and come back and talk about June? Let's. Actually, let's leave it there for today because I think that's enough for one session. Let me give you some journal questions. Sorry, I haven't given you journal questions on going into the cocoon. And I'll leave it there and then I'll come back and do part two and we'll do June through to December and look at moving things forward. So questions for self-reflection going into the cocoon. How do you feel about being on your own? How does silence make you feel? Can you hear your own voice? What other voices are louder than yours and are drowning out your voice? When you hear someone else's voice, do you change your opinion or your feelings to stay connected to the other person and neglect and lose your sense of self? Well, it's not neglect really, is it? It's abandonment. Do you abandon 
it's a form of neglect but do you abandon and lose your sense of self sometimes going into the cocoon and stepping away from everything you know just gives you that opportunity to 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 start again to 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 work out what you need and who you are and what you want it's a really important part of the healing process and so many people are afraid of it or don't do it I think you'd be afraid of it if your own inner world was really chaotic and you were emotionally dysregulated and didn't know how to to soothe that I think, yeah, I think you'd be afraid of it if that was the case. And and maybe you'd be afraid of it if you were scared of being left. And that probably goes back to childhood. But you had a story running around that, that when people left you, it was because of something you did wrong. And it left you with a sense of shame and unworthiness. Oh, there's a few journal prompts for you to reflect on. So I hope you've found today's episode helpful. And um, thank you for listening. And I hope that you've gotten something out of it. I'd be interested to hear if any of those lessons or revelations or insights resonate with you. You can write to me, Lisa, at smileyforlife.com. You can leave me a voice note on Spotify. Um, If you go to the website, you can WhatsApp me. There's my WhatsApp on there. There's a little button in the bottom right-hand corner, green one that pops up. And, yeah, I'd love to hear if that was helpful for you. And just knowing that you're not alone with this stuff and that we're all going through it, but we're all going through it at different times, stages and places And there's always something to learn. And if you don't know something, there's nothing wrong with you. You just haven't learned what you need to do yet. You just don't know what it is yet. But you will figure it out in time because you're smart and resourceful and resilient as all us wild hearts are. So I will see you in the next one. Until next time, stay wild. Choose love. So much love to you. Bye.